Welcome to Beggar's Bread, a podcast where we invite Christians and truth seekers to engage with thoughtful sources in an age of disinformation. Our name is inspired from the quote by D.T. Niles, evangelism is just one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. Each week we recommend a source for you, either a sermon, podcast, or video. This week we bring you the final straw. And with that, this is Luke here in Wisconsin. And I'm here with Nick in North Carolina. How's it going, Nick? Hey, it's going well. I think I finally recovered from my head cold from a couple of days ago. Or, you know, a week ago. I think we actually recorded this podcast, you know, in order for once. So, like, our season premiere actually coincides with the subsequent episode, which sometimes happens. And sometimes it doesn't. And it kind of just depends on when we're able to get, you know, our co-listeners set up and how the, you know, various schedules align as we're thinking about these topics and various, you know, resources to recommend people. Indeed. Yeah. Now, sometimes we do a little bit of uh, calendar gymnastics, but yeah, it's working out. And uh, speaking yeah, season of... five's going well. Episode yeah. two. Let's go. Episode two. Let's do this. Uh, and for episode two, we are recommending a documentary. It is called Seaspiracy. Um, so it, it kind of like the word C, like S is in Sam, E A, Spiracy. Or no, wait, no, sorry. Yeah, you got me. Yeah, except you, so it's you like. You grappled with my attention. Like conspiracy, except for with the C. Uh, anyway, it's on Netflix. Oh my god! Uh, <laughs> oh, do you Suspend think they got that? Disbelief. Suspend- what? No, I appreciate it. It definitely clarified so much about <laughs> the C and conspiracies. Maybe that should be the title: conspiracy, but with the C. <laughs> um, did you know? Not to Put offend. Put some vitamin C in that. I know. Not to uh, offend what? <laughs> oh, not to offend people with names that have the letter C in them. But did you know actually the letter C in the English alphabet is actually not necessary because the K and the S make both the sounds that the C makes? Uh, fun fact. All right. Anyway. <laughs> so you're saying now so we've basically lost. anybody named Caroline, you're like, you know, could have been a K. Uh, if you only applied yourself. <laughs> yeah, now we now we just lost all our C audience, but that's all right. Uh, we we still they, love. We can take them out to C. It's fine. No, I. What on the uh, Sea Shepherd? Oh yeah, that was a fancy ship. So yeah, okay, nice. That's a good segue. You know, C and C, because uh, you know it's with the voice, so you can't tell which C you're talking about. But anyway, so the <laughs> ocean. It's a great play on words. Yeah, indeed. Uh, the Sea Shepherd. Okay, well, that's that's like getting we're getting pretty far into it there. Uh, on this documentary, this Netflix. I always say Netflix. And I'm like, oh, Netflix. It's a flicks. Uh, like, a, <laughs> um, they are like, hey, is that just a Midwestern thing? I don't know. I don't think so. I think it's just a. I don't know how to speak sometimes thing, but it could be. No, a I feel that. Thing. I feel that. Contact us and let us know if you also mispronounce Netflix and you're in the Midwest. We'd like to know. We're taking a straw poll. Uh, and speaking of straws... I need to know from the South, yeah. <laughs> yeah, from... <laughs> I could just pay attention. I'll just be like, 
uh, hey, uh, you watch that show on, oh, what's that thing called? And then people will fill in the blank, you know? And then and they'll be like, ah, gathering data for Nick. <laughs> it's a this is the type of research I do in grad school now, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, so, uh, let's see. Oceans, conspiracy, plastic, fish, dying, you know, that kind of stuff. All stuff we're talking about. My favorite. Yeah. It's great content, sorts. you know? We like to see it. Yeah, so this documentary, if you've seen it, you're like, wow, this is pretty sad. Or if you're about to see it, it could be uh, a little, what's the word? What word would you use, Nick? Man, uh, it could be sombering. It could be a little bit eye-opening to stuff that might be invisible to most, I mean, just consumers of fish or just people that... Are really into wildlife conservation um but haven't like really gone into depth with regards to this sort of um information that sea spiracy is providing which is predominantly based about like around the whole like industrial commercial worldwide fishing network and kind of some of the uh the challenges with that system that's in place yeah, and a, and a big challenge of the sense of, hey, we're going to run out of fish. We're going to destroy our oceans if we fish too much fish. But uh, anyway, uh, so, <laughs> sombering is a good word. Uh, very sobering. Yeah, yeah, it is. There's a lot of information in it that just like, as somebody that grew up, really like valuing and learning about animal conservation honestly most of it was for animals on dry land like there was definitely less of a consideration towards the ocean which comprises you know a decent chunk of the earth right and um i've heard how the wildlife and flora there impacts the rest of the planet and specifically like the parts that we actually live on yeah i mean I don't really live near oceans. I mean, I've been to the oceans, but they 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 take up a pretty sizable chunk of of the world. Uh, some might say that the most of it, the majority of it, uh, <laughs> <laughs> some just a few experts, a few a few experts. Um, and when thinking about experts, I will say this documentary has had some pretty uh, stern rebukes um there i've just if you just google sea spear sea review uh you'll find a couple different articles that are basically saying hey this documentary misrepresents some things um it's interesting though because then as i was doing this research i kind of thought to myself of oh should we still recommend this documentary like if there are there are a lot of uh how would you put it like complaints a lot of claims that it was not done honestly um so i would just back up for a moment and say okay well let's take them one by one because obviously you know we are still recommending this documentary so i what i would say is it seems like seaspiracy does a good job of bringing attention to a problem of saying hey uh we are not sustainably fishing our oceans um I am not an expert in wildlife conservation, so but I think I could get that basic idea. And it seems like the critics 
agree that that is a problem. So that much seems like right. it's worth bringing up in the sense of like, hey, there's a problem um, that's worth thinking about. Uh, to go into some of the critiques, because I think they're pretty interesting and, and insightful for someone such as myself that is not a marine bi- biologist. Um, one comes from a, a guy named Daniel Pauly. And the title of the article is What Netflix's Sea Spiracy Gets Wrong About Fishing Explained by a Marine Biologist. And then the subtitle, Giving Up Seafood Isn't the Best Way to Save the Oceans. So, you know, that subtitle says the first one of the critiques right up front. Um, This documentary kind of suggests that the only solution to unsustainable fishing is to give up seafood. So, like, basically, we should all go on plant-based diets um which you know i don't think any of the critics they didn't really seem to be like oh that's wrong it didn't seem like they were saying no you shouldn't go on plant-based diets but what they were more pointing out this is the same article is that it's not very realistic for the whole world or people that rely on the ocean so one of the quotes is um ultimately this is a movie that forces the problems of global fisheries through a small privileged lens to make the europeans and north americans who give up fish feel sorry who give up fish feel guilty enough to do so unfortunately much of the other 85 percent of the planet will continue to eat fish because many will not even know about nor be able to afford a wholesome vegan diet um so you know it's just pointing out like hey that's great to give up fish uh or at least that's what i'm saying like that's a, a good way to contribute if there's not enough fish to go around for everybody in the world. Um, but it's not in itself a solution um, that will solve the problem. So I did want to uh, just bring up that first critique. Uh, before I move on yeah. to another one, like, yeah, go for it. Oh, I was just thinking about how, like, even in while the documentary itself does have a very heavy emphasis on what you just talked about, it was interesting in that even the documentary itself kind of highlighted how this commercial fishing impacts people whose sole like nutritional benefit are deprived of that benefit by overfishing from people that are illegally fishing across borders right and so they talked about and i don't think they named specific african countries but it was on like the west coast and how like the local fishermen there that you know sustained their families with this fish that they were catching and also the local economy as well ended up throughout the years of overfishing in that region as it slowly becomes depopulated had to move inland and start hunting after animals on the land and that actually contributed as the documentary showed to some of like there was a correlation between the consumption of bush meat and the ebola outbreaks that occurred like you know a few years ago so it's very interesting to see how like some of these impact local areas in very drastic ways that actually have international effects that aren't even necessarily what you would think of as like correlational to like fishing you know like ebola fishing doesn't really ring a bell to most people but like there were some parts in that documentary that were very eye-opening in that regard right oh yeah i i forgot that part but no that's that's totally true i I certainly don't think of fish when someone mentions ebola oh i can hear luna hi luna (laughs) yeah we might have to leave that in because she's just you know yelling at the door we have (laughs) if our listeners don't know my wife and i emma we have an eight-month-old kitten 
who likes to just scream constantly uh as soon as you turn on or actually as soon as your alarm goes off in the morning she's at the door yelling um not really for anything like there's oftentimes food in their bowl but nonetheless she is still there screaming because she wants to be around you so she's a very very sociable creature i know we had a um a housewarming party i want to say it was last week and of course by the time this episode comes out it'll be like in august right so like this is a little little further back this is in the summer and yeah she was just like the life of the party like basically everybody was trying to take her and you know kidnap her catnap her whatever you call her and uh deprive us of one cute little black cat that just likes to yell at people yeah well i'm glad they didn't take luna away i enjoy hearing her on the microphone (laughs) (laughs) i enjoy hearing her say "Uh uh-oh very literally she does say "Uh uh-oh what (laughs) yeah it's great like my family our family dog says arf arf like in a very literal fashion kind of like a cartoon animal and luna in a very similar way says "Uh uh-oh in a very high-pitched like cat voice if you can imagine like you know a cat saying "Uh uh-oh uh try to find the video i don't know like maybe i'll post one on our socials we'll see but like it's adorable i that would be yeah i have trouble imagining that maybe my imagination is just not robust enough (laughs) (laughs) but just has to be in you gotta be around luna much much more you know (laughs) Well, moving on from Luna to more critiques of Seaspiracy, another one, this is actually still uh, Daniel Pauly, the the guy, I I think it's a guy, I don't know, I don't know if Daniel is a, whatever, Uh, the person that wrote the the article, What Netflix's Seaspiracy Gets Wrong About Fishing. They say another major problem they have with this film, or I'm sorry, I should just read the quote instead of paraphrasing it. Another major problem I have with this film is how breezily it uses anti-Asian tropes to make its points. In this movie, everyone who is Asian is seemingly a villain. Uh, so certainly, it it does make it seem, just with how the film is framed, that I wouldn't even say like, oh, it's wrong to point out how an Asian country is doing something wrong. Like, obviously, it's not wrong to point that out. But to only point out how Asian countries are doing something wrong and to not point out other other um, countries or industries or companies is definitely problematic, I would say, or at least very narrow. <laughs> so Yeah, um, yeah. Like, I mean, they highlighted a little bit of what the United States fishing industry does. Um, I think they mentioned sea turtles in one instance specifically, but yeah, like at least for the first half of this documentary, it's very much like criticizing the, the use of like, you know, shark fin soup in kind of the upper echelons of, um, dang, was it just Far East culture? I can't remember if it was a specific. I think it might be Japan. Region. Was it Japan? Okay. Yeah. Cause I was like, I'm trying to remember which parts (laughs) were really into that, but yeah, they were talking about how like shark fin soup is you know the not necessarily the ultimate evil but they definitely spent a lot of time on that one part um and it does and i mean like the loss of sharks to the ecosystem as the documentary was talking about does actually impact um kind of like the ecological stability of those regions that then have larger impacts on what you know what fauna is growing in the region and what's producing oxygen and stuff like that 
Yeah. And I mean, again, absolutely. There's no problem. I don't have a problem with someone pointing out any errors, regardless of background. Um, but they do focus on it excessively and not point out some other problems around the globe. So uh, that was another yeah. critique. But yeah, but that's still the same. I mean, there's definitely stuff within this. I mean, there's a reason why we're still recommending it, right? Because it brings to light a lot of issues that we never would have known otherwise, unless like we were really like conscious of it. Ignore Luna. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> like, I mean, for example, they even talked about like a term that I, or like a location in, in the ocean that I had never actually even heard of prior to this. And that was of the, uh, the great Pacific garbage patch, like, Straight out of the water, no pun intended, had no idea that that was even a thing, right? And that their statistic was that, like, you know, because fishing nets and other, like, fishing materials don't degrade as quickly as, like, other plastics, like, that's what's contributing to, like, the majority of the, like, bulk of that kind of garbage patch in the Pacific, Um, which, again, like, kind of highlights that sort of bent this documentary has towards specifically, like, the fishing industry and kind of the narrative that they're creating as, you know, a documentary, which is how many documentaries operate, right? Cause you have a, you know, a director that has a very specific vision for the truths that they're portraying in this film. And that moves the film along because it's a film ultimately. Right. Yeah. Talk. Well, I know you kind of just did, but I know you were talking a little bit about how in film school, you heard a little bit about that. Do you want to just talk about that a little bit more? Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to remember specifically the, um, the documentary that we were talking about. I think it was by Werner Herzog and it was his documentary titled Grizzly Man, which I believe came out in 2006. And so within that film and mind you, I watched this like a long time ago, but um, (laughs) it basically depicts the life of this guy through found footage because he, was a videographer living in the wild with basically grizzly bears for like, I think over a decade before he ended up getting killed and um, eaten by a bear that came through the region that he wasn't familiar with. Cause there was a drought and there was some like um, food shortage issues within that local area for the bear populace. And so pe- like bears were moving around and that's one of the reasons why he ended up dying. Um, and so what Werner Herzog does, though, is kind of like uses this footage that the person kind of documented of himself over like a period of several years and portrays it in a way that's like it's interesting as a commentary on documentaries, because in one sense, what the director is trying to promote through this documentary is almost a different vision for mayhaps what the person he's talking about or like, you know, this grizzly man might have assumed like he probably would not have portrayed himself in that way with the materials that he had produced. But because the director had this footage, it was shown in a way that like there was, I don't know. It just, it's a different way of doing filmmaking. Um, like documentary specifically that like the director does have a lot of control in the way in which the story is crafted. Even if it's ultimately a true story, the director still does have 
a lot of influence on how that truth is presented. I see. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I do remember you sharing that, and I was like, "Ooh, that's that's really helpful for me." I know because yeah. I never really studied how documentaries are made. <laughs> and neither um, did I until I took the film class. But it is very interesting, and so it's definitely like important for people to keep that that eye towards documentaries, and that it's not like nothing within film is objective. And I mean, you can say that about kind of a lot of things, right? But like thinking about it through like, okay, what are the intentions of this film? How is it flowing thematically? And like even one of the criticisms of Seaspiracy, for example, is that it was like kind of jumping around through various issues, right? And I mean, like I would say that's not necessarily the major issue of the film or the documentary right. because given the thematic material that they're working with, like it makes sense that they're jumping around with these issues because they're tr- creating a narrative towards kind of creating not it's not a wedge issue i want to use a wedge issue but it's not but it's creating a very like heavy-handed narrative towards like the only option you have upon viewing this documentary is to just completely abstain from seafood um and so like having those multiple kind of things that seem out of context that the criticism is kind of geared or directed towards doesn't actually lend credence to what the director of this documentary is actually trying to do that makes sense yeah because there is a unifying message of the ocean i know that sounds super broad but in a way like i don't really think (laughs) about the ocean like as a viewer a random audience member i don't really think about the ocean that much especially because i'm not really close to one (laughs) so like i mean i'm close to one but like i definitely don't consider along these lines especially as like and I think I kind of that um, that message of complicity is pretty prevalent within this film. And I mean, obviously, people contribute in different ways to pollution. But um, it is interesting, yeah, to consider as I'm actually going to the beach this weekend and, th- you know, having watched this documentary and being like, huh, okay. So how are we, especially as like Christians, going to think about what stewardship looks like of creation particularly like you know wildlife and nature and stuff like that yeah well fortunately for you with that question our person daniel Polly, <laughs> does mention one thing i want to bring <laughs> up actually it does still leave oh, really? a little open-ended but they say the message i wish the filmmakers had conveyed instead of that instead sorry i'm butchering this quote let me try once more the message i wish the filmmakers ha- filmmakers had conveyed instead is that pushing for legislative changes and improved enforcement of existing laws is the best way to get involved. Just like the fight against tobacco in enclosed public places was won by smoking bans and not by appeals to smokers, the fight against illegal fishing and other shenanigans and the other shenanigans of the fishing industry will be won by political actions directed at governments, not appeals to vegans in New York, London, or Vancouver. Uh, so I also like the fact that you use the word shenanigans in this very official sounding <laughs> article. Um, but uh, it's a good word, you know? Yeah. And I'm also like, hey, I'm not a vegan, but I am not in New York, London, or Vancouver. And I watch Netflix. So I think perhaps there's a little bit of a straw man there. But no, it's all right. Um, 
Also, I just like using the word straw mm-hmm. over and over because the title is the final straw because plastic in the oceans because, you know, ocean stuff. Uh. <laughs> Luke, during our my wife and I's trip to Chicago, was very, very proud. I'll have you know of his title, The Final Straw. He talked about it a lot. <laughs> and it's fair because, like, it was great. I was like, dang, you know what? That's like, I mean, Luke does come up with the majority of these titles. Like, I'll come up with a few and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's solid. <laughs> and then looks over here like, uh, let's just name it this. And I'm like, well, crap. I guess we'll just have to do that. <laughs> <laughs> this is t- team effort. Um, speaking of team efforts, <laughs> these segues are just brilliant. Um, I did want to bring our, well. our co-listener. And actually, our co-listener was the person who originally recommended this documentary. So thank you on double front, one for recommending and one for being co-listener and that is nico from wisconsin and nico says seaspiracy is difficult it implicates the collective in a daunting problem as powerless as any one of us are it is important that we remember that we are not alone it is my prayer that inconvenience of change habit and love of self hold no power over you may this change be but a stepping stone on our journey to conscious consumption as we collectively vote with each dollar we spend. So thank you for that, Nico. Um, I do love that that phrase, um, collectively vote with each dollar we spend. Just the phrase, vote with your dollar, is so applicable in many spheres of action, many spheres of just, if you're considering really tough problems in the world. So this is definitely one of those. Um, yeah. Money does have a strong influence, right? Like, I mean, that's why people did all those boycotts on businesses in the 60s. Right. That's for sure. Um, dang. Any any other uh, criticisms you want to grapple with before we go? Mm, I don't think so. I mean, I would just say, like, it's, again, still a documentary that we're recommending. And I think it's, like, I would say look into the criticisms but also think about what you can learn from this documentary and how you can contribute in a way that um, isn't just, you know, going in line with the heavy handedness of cinema, right? In some ways, <laughs> like think about like realistic, like you talked about, and like the article talked about like realistic ways in which to actually evoke change. Um, and think about it also as Christians, as somebody that like, should care about the environment be stewards of creation and things that are meaningful and have value and ultimately are just very very beautiful (laughs) excellent i love that well thank you guys for joining us this week and the final straw in which indeed i am very proud of that title (laughs) um if you missed it or if you are still thinking about getting patreon we do have that patreon episode for this month in september the ancient swamp and next week for all to enjoy we'll bring you war and poems thanks for joining us we'll see you next week